Hey now, and welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a wine podcast that insists the way to really appreciate world-class wine is to go beyond what's in the glass. It's not the nose of dried peaches or fresh-cut garden hose. No, to really relish where wine takes you means getting to know the story behind the bottle, the people behind the bottle, the place behind the people. Talking story, talking people, and talking that sense of place brings to life this beverage in a way like no other. And no other region is excelling in a more exciting way like Paso Robles Wine Country. So we celebrate it all right here. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Well, Harvest 22 in full swing. We're drinking a lot of 19s now. So since we're drinking a lot of 19s, we're hearing the story of that harvest that we have here. And it was a charmed harvest as we've kind of heard stories about. Everyone talks about how easy it was and how Mother Nature allowed for time and space. And it was just, well, nice. Well, we are writing the story of Harvest 2022 right now. And the plot is thickening. Plainly put, it's hot. It's like Africa hot. I mean, we're forecasted to be over 100 degrees for maybe 8 to 10 days that we could see. And many of these days aren't like 100, 101. They're like 104, 109, 114. And this creates like major situation room style decision making from our winemakers, owners, vineyard managers on what to do. In 2017, we had a big heat spike, but later in the fall, not like right before Labor Day. And we've talked here how some people picked those grapes in a panic. Some waited in sugar levels or bricks levels. They came down. But even that heat spike wasn't 10 days long. So you tweak the lens and the circumstances. It's kind of like a kaleidoscope. It changes the whole picture. So we have folks being faced with real issues like labor You got to get your picks in when you can schedule them, when you can get a crew. Mix that in with the dilemma of, I don't know, do you pick a certain lot, maybe potentially earlier than you wanted to, potentially less ripe than you wanted it, or do you wait until your crew is scheduled, say, I don't know, next Monday, and really roll the dice of your grapes just being toast? There are some real decisions being made right now. So we're going to see what's going on when we talk to Sherman Thatcher on the phone of Thatcher Wines. We've had him on the show before. He is the real deal. He's going to give it to us straight and give us a real-time update after our conversation today. We'll give you the latest on the 2022 Vintage Heat Spike Scramble. But I will say, on my mind, all the men and women that are working in any capacity with Crush and Harvest, we love you guys. Thanks for doing what you're doing. We need you. And cheers to every single one of you. Okay, so for today's conversation, super excited about this chat. You know, as Paso was gaining more and more popularity for even more than wine, but for events, from ticketed musical performances to weddings, we're going to meet two brands that bring a unique take on hospitality and are bettering Paso by leaps and bounds just by being here. Rich Secchiaroli. More than a friend, I've worked with him in his work with the cancer support community. He and his wife, Tracy, also own Terra Mia Vineyards, which is a premier event venue here. Weddings, private events, I've hosted charity events there. Just a gorgeous, one-of-a-kind place. They also got a new venue that is coming online called Bella Terra, which I'm super excited to learn all about. With Richie today, we are connecting with Gary and Laura Kramer of Kramer Estate Wines. Laura makes the wines here and... Gary's history is enveloped in the theme of the wines here. It's pretty incredible. Gary has a rich history that is more than unique as he is Gary Kramer 
of Kramer Guitars, which at its apex of rock and roll in the late 70s and early 80s, I mean, Gary Kramer was making a name for himself, which culminated to literally everyone from like Jerry Garcia, Mick Jagger, Eddie Van Halen using his guitars. And they were like the number one guitar brand beating out Gibson, beating out Fender. So his story is just exciting. And Gary's going to tell it all in his own words. I can't wait. I show up to Gary Kramer Guitar Sellers and you just have to see it. And you know, you can go to the website, Gary Kramer Guitar Sellers.com. They have this cool virtual tour. It's almost like Google Street View inside their place. And you can see just how rad this place is. I mean, it's unreal. And it's right here in Paso. We're coming into a pretty odd conversation talking about something I would never guess I would be about to taste. A drink called a Malbol. Malbec and, yes, Red Bull. I have no idea what I'm about to do. I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking it too. Let's just wait for it. Let's go. So give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We pass on down till the job is Camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Kramer specialty. Well, no, you're not making it right, baby. Yes, I am, baby. The Malbol. What, what should you run to it? What's what's Gary's <laughs> he version? Puts more bull than Mal. Well, he puts more bull than Mal. Yeah, I just kind of tint the the bull, you know. So. Oh, that's no. <laughs> So so much wine that way, <laughs> right? You, you look like the guy with the finger on the scale at the meat market. That's you. <laughs> I learned that from you, by the way. I go, Laura, look what Richie taught me how to do. Watch this. <laughs> That's what they do, the butchers. Yes. Back east, get in that mic so I can hear you. Back east in Buffalo. So my mom is from Buffalo. Well, we've talked about this. Yeah, Lackawanna, yeah. Hamburg. So I worked in the meat market, right? So we sliced the meat for the ladies. Give me a quarter pound of this, right? Well, in Buffalo, they were so cheap. I mean, you, you couldn't even put that piece of wax paper on the scale before you sliced it, right? Because they said, no, 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 take the wax paper off, right? So I don't think we really ever did this. <laughs> it's like a joke. Yeah. You used to sli- put your thumb on the scale. Yeah, just like a little way there so a little bit. Show a half pound. Yeah. <laughs> My dad was a butcher when he first um, had my sister, who was 10 years older than me, and he was a butcher, and he would tell me all these stories of, like, you know, when the when the meat's going bad and it's starting to get discolored, that's when they put, like, barbecue sauce on it and oh, marinades, marinade and then sell it again, so he's like, never buy anything with the, you know, the marinade? anything with, like, a marinade or, like, a barbecue oh, yeah. sauce where it's already done, it's, all, it's because the meat's been discolored. That makes sense. Uh, you know, Richie came in here on one Saturday morning <laughs> when Laura was making sandwiches and then she was slicing up the meat. And Richie looked at the scale and she was putting it on a scale. Then she went to answer the phone and he goes, hey, Gary, you know how to put your finger on a scale so you can like, no, I never thought about that. Yeah, you can cheat your customers yeah. like that. <laughs> that must have been a good butcher prank that you guys would do back in the day. That's so funny to see. <laughs> Buffalo, huh? So you were from Buffalo. Yes. Grew up there? Grew up born and raised. Proper? Yep, North Buffalo. And then where does like Lackawanna and Hamburg? South Buffalo. So that's South Buffalo. So that's where all the Irish and the 
crazies were in South Pope. Really? Yeah. Where did um, where is Lackawanna versus Hamburg? How far are they from each other? Very close. So is it like, like next to each other? Is it like a Tascadero Paso? Yes. Yeah. Over the over the big Father Baker Bridge, the Skyway. So from a- downtown led you into South Buffalo near General, near the, all the mills, the steel mills, everything. Lackawanna steel mills. That's what. What's bigger, Lackawanna or Hamburg? Where was the hospital? I think Lackawanna. Yeah. Yeah. They're all little, you know, the towns aren't that big after that. It's just like here, right? Yeah. It's like having Slow or Santa Barbara and then, you know, having Slow, Tuscadero. I've always been so fascinated because that's where my mom was from. You're never back. No. Good reason to go, Niagara Falls. I know. So so you're you're near there? Oh, yeah, the falls. So the falls. The Canadian border? Oh, yeah. You you could see Canada from Lackawanna right across the river. Oh, shoot. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Canada was right across the Niagara River. And that river and the Erie Canal's right there. That's how they brought the steel in and out. The Erie, it's right on the Erie Canal. How often would you, as a, a youth or a young adult, go into the city and stuff? Of where? New York City. Is that oh, super far? No, see, yeah, so New York City is like here to, uh, it's a uh, five-hour drive. Yeah. Oh, even more. Yeah, even yeah, more. Right wow. Right. So that was a real big though, yeah. trek. Didn't go into the city much at all. Yeah. No, but Buffalo was, was a big city in and of itself. Did you go to Toronto from? Toronto was a 60-mile drive, one-hour yeah. drive, over the border, right over the, the Peace Bridge. Yeah. That's a big city, too. Yeah. And where are you from, Gary? Uh, born in uh, Naples, Italy. Really? Yeah. Came landed in Los Angeles when I was two years old. Gary's Italian. Yeah. Uh, no, Kramer. Well, ha- Kramer, yeah, Cramerini. Kramerretti. 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 Well, so I didn't know that. So you came over here just as a little guy. Well, your parents, why, why did they leave Naples at the time? Well, my father was uh, in the Army. He's from New York. He went to Naples. He was stationed in Naples, met my mom. She was 15. He was 30. Wow. Had me. And we moved to Inglewood, California from there. Inglewood. Always up to no good. Yeah, no, but it wasn't Inglewood. It wasn't Inglewood back then. No, I know, I know, I know for sure. But it was still by the big airport and Well the airport the airport was really small. LAX was super small then, huh? Remember, I'm seventy five years old now, so you are not. Yes I am. (laughs) Damn. So so Inglewood, what was it like then? What were you kind of remembering? Uh, I mean my dad grew my dad who's the same, he's seventy five too, and he came here at five from Mexico City city but lived in hollywood okay so these are exciting times you're talking about the 50s you're talking about like some really exciting times for la and hollywood we are talking about the the good humor man driving down the street ringing yeah. his bell and people getting out of the little rubber the pools guy. on 95th street guy. yeah yes. strawberries blueberries. no we didn't have that guy you didn't we had the helms bakery man and he would drive down the street, blow a whistle. Everybody, all the kids would run up, and they would pull a drawer out of the back of the truck, and there'd be donuts in there. No way. Cupcakes. And the milkman would come in in the morning, and there'd be little sliding doors on our house. He'd put the milk in, and he'd slide the door, and the milk would come in, you know. What was the demographic then? My dad, because, you know, the part of Hollywood that my dad's from now is still heavily Jewish. I grew up in Agora, which is, makes me an honorary Jew. And uh, But Inglewood, I mean, what, what, what was the demographic that was it very different than it is now? So my father, being from New York, would call a taco a taco. Yeah. The only place we could get a taco back then was Alvera Street. Really? There was there there was uh, hardly there was like one uh, percent Hispanic in my high school, zero percent 
uh, African American wow. in my high school, and this is 1965 when sure. I graduated. Yeah, everything changed after the Watts riots. Uh-huh. But before that, and before the Forum was built, right. I spent my youth at Hollywood Park because I was right across the street from Hollywood Park. Yeah. So. That's so cool. Yeah. Laura, how are you? Good to see you. I'm good. Let's pull that microphone up just a little teeny bit on you. Well, this is not mine, right? Whose is this? So that's yours. That's the What's Big Red. Then? That's Malbec. Oh. 100% cool. Malbec. And then this is Big Red, which is 50% Malbec, 50% Alicante Boucher. Here's congratulations. Officially. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Thank you. Toast. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you need to, you, uh, do you guys know what Alicante Boucher is? Right? Yeah, this is a grape that I want to talk about it because uh, you find it a lot interplanted with, say, like Zinfandel, but it has a lot of history to California just like Zinfandel does, right? Mm-hmm. The last I heard that there's only 5,000 acres of Alicante planted in the Americas. Wow. In, in all the Americas, 5,000 acres of it. I feel like, Laura, this is one that we see that sometimes interspersed with Zinfandel, whether it's whether it, they say it is or not, just the way things were going back in the day, that was something that kind of happened. Is that right? Well, actually, back in the day... Um, Which was a Wednesday, as we all know. Th- right. So <laughs> this, they used to, this grape is so hardy that they would ship it from California back east. No it, way. it could withstand the traveling. It's some interesting grapes, and we always hear how Paso, you know, more and more we learn how Paso can grow these just just so many different kinds of grapes. But we were in uh, Cuyama for a few days. We spent a few days in, in New Cuyama, which is all a sentence you don't hear people say that much. Where is that? And it's, uh, it's halfway between Santa Maria and, like, Bakersfield on the 166. Wow. But it's becoming like Cuyama. a new, I know, yeah, it's becoming <laughs> a new, like, little, like, high desert, chic place they got a cool new hotel with a little bar situation a pool like it's becoming almost like skyview you know like they're yeah, trying to yeah, model like themselves in, yeah something kind of like a little desert like in los alamos yeah you know, one could, street town yeah exactly so um and one, we went to this one dude who's off the grid called condor's hope and he grows something called pedro jimenez which i had never heard of but another here's another grape you learn all about and like clusters that like go from like your you know your elbow down to your hand i mean just these weird you know but you hear about all these different kinds of uh different grapes that we are capable of growing uh, in this part of california it's wild huh pedro jimenez yeah, i thought it was a picture for the dodgers i was like <laughs> yeah. who's pedro? <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say right <laughs> it's not like number 25 pedro jimenez <laughs> Sounds like the Castel Vetrano olive story. Yes, What's it does. The, yeah, yeah. What's that story? Because so everyone the, loves those. Well, we grow those. We have those trees. We have, what, 1,100 of those trees? 1,200. Well, anyway, um, so it's called Nocerella de Beliche is the name of the tree these olives come from. And they grow down in Sicily and down in the Castel Vetrano area. So one day this guy cured it and made it a table olive. Hence, it's the Castel Vetrano olive now. Even though it's from a Nocerella tree. And I love them. Everyone loves do, them. Yeah. Even people who don't like olives love, love them. those. Yeah. Well, have you and ever had a Castel Vetrano? Yeah, in fact, that Condor's Hope Place, Lady I Fancy, had us buy a freaking mason jar of them. Yeah, no, they're good. They're, and it's the only olive that I can, like, stomach. I really don't like olives. Mm. But it's the one that I kind of go, ooh, that's, yeah, that makes me want another one, you know? No, I have them here. We cure them. Oh, do you really? Yeah, they're at the, from the property. Oh, that's awesome. From own property, yeah. So here's a story on the Castel Vetranos, right? So... 30, 35 years ago, because I used to go back to Italy all the time with my mom at Christmas time. And in Naples, at every deli, they'd have these big wine barrels just filled with the Castel Vitranos. And you just scoop them up and you'd put them on a scale, and then Richie would be back there putting his finger on it <laughs> to make sure you pay a little. I got a bad rep. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was a joke. So, <laughs> so 30, I tried to import them. 
I, try, I went through all the different bureaucracies and the government agencies to bring him in. It was like futile. It couldn't, didn't work. So when we moved up here 15 years ago, you know, we had all this land. I said, you know, why don't I just grow them, right? So then I had to figure out where to get them. I spent six months on the Internet looking for them, looking for them, looking for them. In my backyard or our backyard here in Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz Olive Nursery, this guy named Phil had... 5,000 Castel Vitrano trees. Certified. And I, and I said, how the hell did you get them into the country? He said, I smuggled them in underneath my lapel on an airplane, and I propagated them all. No that's way. that's how I did it, yeah. It sounds like the old stories of, you know, Godless someone. Creek. <laughs> yeah, right, or bringing things into you, you know, like, you know, Eberly bringing something in on his, in his jeans or something, you know. So, so it, gets, it, gets a little, it gets a little more intense here. So I said, okay, I'll take 1,200 trees. He says, okay, I have them in four-inch pots. So he brings them all down to me. I go. Well, how do I know when they grow up to be nine years old, nine years from now, right? You're dead or your business is out. That I'm going to have a Castelfi trial. He goes, he's just got to take my word for it. Wow. So sure enough, nine years later, when we had our first harvest, we only got like, I think, maybe a, a half a ton of olives the first year, right? It was Castelfi trial. Oh. Yeah. Last, you're like, phew. Yeah, I know. And last year, we the year before last, we got 200 gallons of the stuff and Greg Bone gave me $85 a gallon for it. <laughs> Are you making olive oil too? Oh yeah. So you're doing olive oil, you're doing the olives themselves, you're curing them, the whole $85 thing. $85 he gave me. Oh wow. yeah, the, the Kramers. But that's not retail. You got a lot of stuff. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a story. No yeah. way. So that's actually part of the, the no, repertoire here too. And it gets better. So the front of the the, the olive oil bottle has a uh, has a picture of uh, an Orthodox Russian Saint Michael that had you know the sword and was killing the dragon, and Laura photoshopped the dragon and the sword out, put the Saint Michael on the cover because we're in San Miguel. And now, guess who my biggest, biggest seller of is? Buyer. Your buyer. Who's that? San Miguel Mission. San Miguel really? Mission. <laughs> oh, no way. That's awesome. Of course. They're good for four cases a month, just about. That's incredible. And, you know, there's a lot of history there, just beyond the mission. But you know all, like, the crazy uh-huh. stories that have happened at the, the at San Miguel. Oh, my God. The hotel murders. And, oh, wow. It's crazy. Wow. Oh, this is so much fun. Look, if you... Could just grasp where we are. I feel like I'm in a club in Night like old style, Vegas. Right? Yeah. Like maybe four hours before they open and it's just these empty, beautiful setup of furniture, whether it's a leather wraparound couch or a booth that stretches down one entire wall and then a brick wall stage with just you know, the old school two spotlights that, <laughs> that uh illuminate Kramer Estate Wines. This really is a special place. Thanks for having us here, Gary and Laura. Well, you haven't been here before. That's why I, I know. You know. I'm so glad that you yeah. you had us here. I mean, I want to see. I want to see an act here. I want to see a uh, great someone. showroom. Oh my god, uh, I can't imagine. Great showroom. Yeah. Perfect amount of people. What are you stuffing here? As far as like humans, yeah, <laughs> couple like 150, couple hundred, or what? No. Actually, actually, the no. fire department gave us 158. 158. Yeah, okay. But comfortably in this room, seating during a show, I'll do 60. Yeah, I love the. Uh, the the um, kind of like a mezzanine little area up there, and under on the website you can go to KramerStateWines dot com. Oh yeah, no Gary Kramer Guitar Sellers dot com. Gary Kramer Guitar Sellers dot com. 
We started with that name, and then uh, we've kind of rebranded to Kramer State Wines. People kept coming in to buy guitar strings and, <laughs> and picks, whatnot. Right, <laughs> right. And we're going to talk about the history with um, with Kramer Guitars, but if you go to GaryKramerGuitarCellars.com, you can actually take a virtual tour where we are and see exactly where we're sitting. The, the guitars, everything around here is so cool. One thing I want to get to before we get into the rest of the wines of the conversation is a Mao Bowl. And this is something, talk about Paso being Mavericks, right, Richie? Right. We can literally take a little unconventional. But yeah, it's okay. I would say so. But we're going to do it, and some people they like it. And if this if this can get people into wine, Gary Kramer, then so be it. I'm all for it. So this, try try the Mal back first, okay, and then you'll see what you're mixing it with. Okay, it's a 100 percent state grown Malbec. I love Malbec. Mm. Oh, that's pretty too. Love the fruit on that. That's really good. Really nice. So then we decided to take this good wine and put what in it? Well, but the thing is, I thought that I had invented something. Yeah. Only because I was, you know, come to find out, I went to the internet, and in Spain, you can buy it in a Coke machine, Coca-Cola and Malbec already mixed and ready to go. Yeah, yeah, they do soda so you wine. know, So you know this, sir. Yeah, I knew that they do. They, this is popular in Spain. I didn't know that, sir. But this well, is Red Bull. We were, having, <laughs> we, Red we Bull. were having a show, and Gary was getting a little weary and drinking wine, so he said, we have any Red Bull? And whoop. Puts it in there. There it went. And then, so I'm going to try this for the first time. This is Malbec and Red Bull. I can't even believe Mal- Mal- it. Malbec. Malbec. <laughs> like, it's... You can't hate on that. That's no, not bad. It's pretty yeah. good. It's pretty good. Around the pool. Summertime. Oh, my gosh. That is... I can't believe I just did that, and I can't believe that I I like it. Yeah. That's Malibu. So what's your ratio? When you're making it for yourself, what's your ratio? My ratio is, is uh, I would say, 75% Red Bull and just enough Malbec to change the color so it looks like wine, but not enough to really... No. That's my ratio. So. Now, yours... Mine is two-thirds wine, a third Mal- uh, Red Bull. I want to say I think I prefer that more. I think I like yeah. this. Yes. I like more of the wine. It's nice. That's really interesting. Wow. Yeah. This is pretty cool. So how did, how did um, Richie... Saccarelli, where we're going to talk about, about Terramia and everything, because I mean, Richie is way more, which is one thing I've learned about Richie, he's way more than Terramia. I mean, you are a community member and a neighbor, whether it's cancer support community or we're doing the roast at your place, you got one of the best venues. And I really wanted this episode to kind of be emblematic of it's, we're way more than a, a tasting wine now. I mean, people are coming up to Paso to see beautiful nights and get tickets to watch a beautiful night of music or be entertained. People are coming to this area to get married and to have big parties at, a, at venues like Terramia. I know there's a, a, a newer venue in the mix too, so you have a lot going on. But how did the two of you meet, Gary and Richie? In a bar. <laughs> you know, right? in, in a bar. In Paso? And what was the name of the bar? In Paso. I think we were at uh, the rodeo. We were at no. La no. Concession. No. No, no. No, it was it was the one that's now gone, but it's there. It's the Alchemist now. Oh, Via Creek. Oh, yeah. Via, Via Creek. Creek. Via Creek is where we met. Via yeah. with, gosh, Todd, that's Todd. where about everybody came together, isn't it? You know, right? Yeah. Todd was Gold, the bartender. Yeah, Todd. Heather the guys, was the, the three brothers. server. Yeah. It's so many stories. But, I've come uh, out of Via Creek. Introduced by somebody, and uh, we've been friends ever since. That's yeah, pretty cool. A long time ago. Holy that, cow. Shit, that's been about 12 years. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, Terramia Vineyards, this is a, an avenue, a venue on the west side. I mean, it's just picturesque, gorgeous. In fact, I had um, I gathered some friends for my 40th there, and 
I remember telling who's my now fiance, like that is the bridge like I want to marry you on. Like I just knew when I, we were when we were new as a couple. Then your venue just the last time I could think of it was when I was in Saint Emilion and I was taking this little Chauncey tourism train through like the hills and the vineyards and the visuals that I would get from Saint Emilion literally moved you. You know, it was so pretty. Your venue is like that. It is just so Thanks. pretty. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, it 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 did turn out really nice. I didn't know really where I was going with it when we built it, but I know that it you kind t- of I know, was a I know you did your water feature. Yeah, I heard about the budget. About <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> killed me dead, right? Yeah, so, thanks, but, uh, Jonesy. <laughs> yeah, Jonesy. <laughs> got to give him credit, though. Got to love him. It turned out beautiful, and uh, and a lot of people. We've had over a couple hundred weddings uh, there, and since we've opened, and it's it's been fun to watch all these people. Really, they're all destination weddings, ninety percent of them. So it's great to watch folks come in from other places that have never even been to Paso. And then end up being frequent regulars. So you're from New York, but then you you lived in LA for a while, right? Buffalo, New York, originally. Um, lived in Las Vegas. Oh, Las Vegas, not LA. Las, Las Vegas for 20 years. Okay. Got there early on, and then um, moved to Laguna Beach. Okay, so there was a little Laguna California. Beach. Got yeah, it. for 10 years, and then and then this was the final. Don't ever, don't ever want to leave here. Did you know that you were going to be doing events? And no, yeah, came up to somewhat retire. You know, <laughs> Gary and I tease each other. It's just we both think, came up to retire, and right? then we're working harder than ever. I don't know exactly. Before you got here, we we're complaining about how hard to work. Yeah, but uh, but it's fun. It's great. It's great being part of the community. Great watching all these folks get married. Now we've got the new venue, Bella Terra, in San Miguel. Actually, by uh, Gary and Laura's place, right behind me. And Whoa! It's, it's yeah. It's actually uh, we're more um, east side, not. West side towards the township of San Miguel, like yeah. Hog Canyon, you know. Right, sure. Okay, great. Yeah. And, and then the same kind of thing, we're going to be doing weddings, all kinds of things yeah, up there. doing some weddings. It's, a, it's really a cool, cool spot, different uh, venue than Terramia, but... Um, Accommodations out ter- there? Accommodations out there? Oh, yeah, there's a huge manor on the property, a five-bedroom, five-bath, just huge mansion that's optional for people if they have an event there. Otherwise, it's it's... Just a vacation rental. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Have you been? Have you, have you put it on the market yet? Um, yeah, yeah, we have, and it's it's like well. everything else in Paso. So it's a manor. It's, you don't hear that a lot. You know, no. It's a freaking manor. <laughs> well, Gary and Laura have one on no, their. No, no, I call so. mine a mansion. You call yours the manor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, th- this is the one that I we've yeah. stayed. The, his, yeah. it's unbelievable. I mean, you you pull up and you're thinking like you even look at the pictures and ahead of time and you just can't wait. And then you pull up and you're like, yeah, you're, are you like are you? kidding me look at this it's in the this uh magazine living lavishly wow yeah that's the pool i got pushed into early february in the <laughs> early morning <laughs> so great but what a beautiful place and then the um you're like you have a bar in there that is just like it's almost like this like it's a big wood bar you got you know the whole oh, you thing. remember you remember that oh i remember the whole place i remember okay. making breakfast for everybody in the beautiful kitchen i mean we'll have to put links in the show notes to this because yours is something that people can like i don't know if it's, you go through airbnb or vrbo yeah, they but, go through pastor robles vacation rentals. oh there you go yeah, okay same so, with us yeah pastor robles yeah. vacation rentals there you go <laughs> so you guys meet and uh, before we get into the wines and laura your history with guitars is insane and i was reading a lot about it and i've known about it from knowing you for several years but Kramer Guitars. I mean, let's talk about this history because in the late 70s, you were making guitars and you partnered up with um, it was Travis. Travis Bean. Yeah, Travis Bean. We have these guitars and we're using like aluminum necks and it's kind of this new thing. But then you even 
went on your own and wanted to make these less heavy. You wanted to even make them even better. And then by the mid-80s, or by the early 80s, really, by the early 80s, you're like full steam, and we got Eddie Van Halen, and his, he said to you, we're going to make these the number one guitars in the world. Listen to you. Did you do your homework? Oh, for sure. And then the Kramer guitar story is really exciting. So, and, and then, I mean, you get into this situation with the Travis Bean, and you're like, shoot, like, this is not my name. Like, was it a little weird? Well, no, or like, no. So Travis and I both worked in an auto parts store in Reseda, California. At the Valley. In the Valley. And I was 28 years old. One Saturday morning, he came in, because he was a machinist, he came in with this guitar that he built in his garage. And he came to me and he says, look what I built. And I looked at it. It was beautiful. To me, it looked like a Smith & Wesson, you know, with a wooden handle and a beautiful aluminum neck on it. I didn't know anything about guitars. I watched uh, uh, Don Kirstner's rock concert as far as I went with with the music business back then. So I had some money put aside. and He knew that. He said, you know, he gave me, he pitched me. I fell for the pitch. And I took out the money that I had, and we opened up a little place in, in the Sun Valley right behind Burbank, 1,000 square feet. And we started making little prototypes. Now, Travis was making these necks out of these 2 by 4 pieces of aluminum with a file and sandpaper. Think about this, to b- become a guitar neck. Yeah. So we had our very first NAM show. You know what a NAM show is? The National Association of Music Merchants. Every music maker in the world has it. Back then, it was still small. It was the L.A. Marriott. I rented a booth, and every mom-and-pop music store in the world wanted to be a Travis Bean dealer. They'd never seen an aluminum neck guitar before. Did you hear the story? No. (laughs) So the people were lined up to become a dealer, and I go, I'm 28 years old. I got all these people lining up. I don't know what I'm doing. But tell them why the aluminum neck, because... Well, the, okay, so the only the only um, competition we had back then was Fender and Gibson, Rickenbacker, you know, Gretsch, you know. But nobody actually had an aluminum neck, and, and the aluminum neck was something was like a, a, the arp of a grand piano. When you hit a key and it sustains forever, the same thing applied when you strum a string on the aluminum neck. It would just sustain. And this is just before heavy metal was starting to come in. This is like early 70s, right? Plus, you didn't have to take a truss rod anymore and straighten the neck out every time the temperature changed. didn't happen anymore. That was our gimmick. So we're at the NAMM show. I'm sitting here taking these orders. I'm taking purchase orders, right? Got a whole stack of purchase orders. And there's this guy standing behind me. His name is Lee Sands. I'll never forget. Taps me on the shoulder. He goes, Gary, can I talk to you for a minute? I go, yeah. I'd like to be your European rep. Boom, right? Already got a boner on that one. Yeah. Um, he says, I just want London and, and uh, I want London and Spain. I said, you can have London and Spain. You can have Italy, too. You can, yeah, right, yeah. Hungary. <laughs> you can have whatever you want. But he says, I've got to give you a tip. You have so many people wanting your guitar that you need to take CWO. What the hell is CWO, right? And he goes, cash with order. Don't take purchase orders. Just take a check. I said, I don't know if I could do that, you know. Just try it. So go back. I sit in my seat. People are still lined up, coming in. To be a dealer, you had to buy three units, you know. So I said, well, you know, if you want to be a Travis Bean dealer, you have to buy three units, but you're going to have to give me a check for, to, oh, no problem. They would reach into their pocket. Oh, and they'd my write gosh. Me a check. So three days at the NAM show, losing my voice, talking so many times, right? Come home with $300,000 in 1972. Oh, my God. 
which is like three million dollars today, right? Yeah. So the the little place that we rented in Sun Valley was one of those brand new industrial units, had little thousand square foot units, like ten on each side, with roll up doors. I went back, saw the landlord, rented them all, put doors in them all, made a wood shop, made a paint shop, made a prep room, made a shipping department, did the whole thing with the three hundred thousand dollars. Now I had to fill, I think it was like nine hundred orders. And Travis was, there's no way Travis is going to be able to make Yeah, right. So I told everybody they'd get their guitar in six months. Well, six months passed, and the phone starts to ring. Where's my guitar? I gave you the money. Where's my guitar? Right. Run, run down from Unit 1, where my office was, all the way up to Unit 10, where Travis was. He wasn't making necks. He's now a drummer. Jerry Garcia starts coming around, found out about the guitars, and him and Jerry Garcia are getting to be friends, and he's more into being a drummer and in the rock thing, and he doesn't want to make guitar next. Well, I read a story where you come into one of these rooms, and you see egg crate foam all over the walls. You're like, wait a minute, this was a production area. You're turning it into a studio now? You really did your homework, didn't you? <laughs> so, yeah. He, he Were you t- pissed a little bit? Of course I was pissed. Sure. Right? I mean, we're, we're trying to make... I'm doing business here, and he wants to be a drummer, and he's got egg crates all over the wall because now it's soundproofing for him, you know? Yeah. It was good soundproofing. It was good, you know? So one of the dealers I had was on in New York City on 48th Street where Manny's was, Sam Ash. Every music dealer that was big back then was on 48th Street, Manny's, Sam Ash, right? And Dennis had a place called Grayson's in town, right between Manny's and Sam Ash. I gave him the dealership. He was my age. We got to be friends. He goes, Gary, where's my guitars? I said, you know, I think you better fly out here and I'll show you. So he flies out, drive out to Sun Valley, and there's Travis back there playing the drums with his band. And aluminum blocks are everywhere. I said, you're never going to get your guitar. So anyway, so I broke off my relationship with Travis. Was that a hard divorce? It was a very hard divorce. You know, I wound up with... Two guitars and uh, a twenty thousand dollar attorney bill. Oh man, are those the two Travis Bean ones down there? Yeah, I'll check them out in a second. Yeah. I can't see them from here, but wow, I can see the case they're in. Yeah, so they're like they're like brand new from nineteen seventy two. Damn. Long story short, go back to New Jersey. I've been in the guitar business now for two years. I know everything about how to make a guitar. I don't know how to play one. Right, which is I, a trip to me. Yeah, but I know how to make a guitar. Travis had a patent on his neck. In his name, not in the partnership. Ooh. So I had Ooh. To, yeah, yeah. My, I needed more, some more Malbol. I'm boiling right now. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. So I had to go back and figure out a way to get around his patent. Yeah. So I met this luthier back there, Phil Patillo, and we got together. And I said, you know, my complaints from everybody is the, the neck was too cold. It's too heavy. Is there any way we can put, like, wood inside the neck and change it a little bit and then change the headstock from a Travis Bean to a V-neck? We just took the T off, right? And I took that to the patent office, and the patent officer was okay with that. Good. So I got my... Also, you're making the guitar lighter. Guitarists are going to love that. Yeah, exactly. So I got my new patent. And then we met this guy named Henry Vaccaro. He was like one of the richest guys back in Asbury Park. This is in New Jersey now. I'm no longer in California. I'm in New Jersey in Levi's in Penny's Town Craft T-shirts. Oh, sorry. And it's February. Oh, man. (laughs) And I didn't know the difference. (laughs) I didn't know. And uh, Henry Vaccaro, uh, Dennis and I were both Catholics. We were in church one day. 
and we were talking about what we wanted to do with the new guitars, and he was behind us, overheard our conversation, and when we walked out of the church, he says, you know, guys, I overheard your conversation, and I'm really into the music business and all that. I, you need any partners? So we said, well, yeah. So we went and had uh, dinner with him that night, and the next day he wrote us a check for $35,000, gave us a 10,000-square-foot warehouse that he owned in Neptune, and said, here, boys, have at it. Wow. And then the rest is kind of history because, you know, we, we met um, every major every major guitar player band in the 80s played a Kramer. But yeah. what put us on the map was Eddie Van Halen and Floyd Rose because Eddie couldn't keep his guitars in tune. When he played, he'd have like 10 guitars. He'd play, he'd bust a string, he'd take it out of tune, he'd throw it away, get another one, right? Floyd Rose invented a tremolo that would have a locking nut on it that would stay in tune. So everything came together one day on an airplane going back to New Jersey from Los Angeles. Eddie, Floyd Rose, and the rest is history. No way. Yeah. And then when he says, hey, we're going to make this the number one guitar in the world, 81. I mean, you think of like 83, 84, Thriller comes out, he's doing Beat It. Oh, yeah. He's playing the Beat It on a Kramer guitar. Yeah, right in front of, uh, I've got all the pictures upstairs. i got a tribute room to Eddie upstairs. You have to see. Really? Live, yeah. No way. So he's right there with Michael Jackson, and the Kramer guitar headstock is right in front of Michael's face. Oh. Kramer. No <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. Is it crazy when you meet these musicians or when you were doing this at, at its peak, and they're like, oh, you know, you don't, you don't play, you don't shred, you don't do anything. You're just like, no, I, just, I, know, I know all the ins and outs that the dimensions but no it'll play well you know what i say is like that same nam show that we were taking orders uh fender was there yeah because fender has been around for a long time yeah i met leo fender that afternoon and we both hoisted a beer together in the bar at the marriott we both are two guitar makers that don't play that's Leo so Fender never played a guitar. No either. way, didn't know that either. Oh yeah, that's never so played cool. Yeah. So, um, what cool history! Great story. And to be like part of known them that long, and I haven't heard the whole story. <laughs> to be part of rock and roll in that pivotal time, though. Oh yeah, that's I mean just, Eddie Van Halen. Stop it! Wow. And and it, you know every kid in the world back then wanted to be an Eddie Van Halen guitar player, right? Yeah. And they thought it was the guitar. <laughs> So you you are in this weird place where you're like putting shoes on Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then like remember when because before that athletes didn't like align with like products with f- clothes and stuff. And then but when you were like what like the shoes that Michael Jordan is wearing, you're saying I could buy those shoes exactly. and I could perhaps feel like Michael Jordan or play like Michael Jordan. It's like well no, but yes, you know what I mean? Look, I, I did a matter yeah. Jordan's as a kid, and I mean, look at that. And you're now, so people are seeing Eddie Van Halen with this guitar, and they're like, I, I gotta get, get that guitar. Exactly. exactly. So cool. And we couldn't keep him on the shelf. We couldn't. We got so big, we had him made in Canada, we had him made in Japan, we were selling, we were the biggest guitar company in the world for two years. Outsold Gibson, outsold Fender, outsold yeah. everybody. Crazy. It was an amazing time. And, and the story that I'm telling you right now, I tell here probably 15 times every weekend. Yeah. How come you don't play guitar? You, may, you know, I'm telling the same story. And my story is, like, I was the biggest guitar maker in the world in the 80s, okay? And I don't play guitar. My wife has got gold medals on wine, 
and she's never been to UC Davis. Right. She does everything with her finger and her nose and her mouth. Yeah, it's amazing, Laura, when you talk about just the idea of, and that's one thing that's so great about Paso, is that you have some winemakers that maybe have done the Davis thing or the this or that, but when we find uh, someone who can, with uh, their palate and their just their willingness to learn and, you know, throw in that Paso spirit, I mean, we could have a great wine brand and a great winemaker. Well, thank you, but I had the best teacher, too. A friend of mine, Mike, he literally makes wine in his garage. Really? He's a real garage east. <laughs> and he's the one that taught you. Yeah. And now you're probably making more wine than him. Yes. This is incredible. So when you when you were like, okay, we're going to make wine. We're going to get into this this way. I'm going to make the wine. Um, when did you kind of say, like, hey, you were kind of surveying what, what Paso's good at, what you like to drink, perhaps? How did you decide what kind of house Kramer Estate wines would be? Well, from what we... Well, that's... He pl- Gary planted grapes for aesthetics. Start, no, you planted grapes for aesthetics. <laughs> <laughs> we, pl- we didn't have any intention of making wine. We had an empty 10 acres that needed to look cool when you go- drew- drove-, drove through the gates. You want to look at some vineyards because everybody else had vineyards. I love it. So I said, what are we going to do, Laura? So she said, let's plant grapes. And we might as well plant grapes that grow in that area, though. So we did a little research on that and planted them. Everything was going great. And then a couple years later, it's time to harvest for the first big time. And they're really looking nice. And I'm driving up Tower Road, and I'm looking at their grapes, and those don't look too good. That's a big winery. So um, we had a construction guy there building some stuff, and he was a big wine guy. And, And I said, do you know anybody that knows how to make wine yourself, you know? And he goes, oh, yeah, I know this guy, Mike. So he hooked up with us. Mike came over, looked at the Syrah, and he goes, this looks beautiful. So we started from there, and that was 2013. Wow, which was a great year for Paso. Paso won Wine Region of the Year with Wine Enthusiast Magazine. There was Things were starting to turn on. The 13 Syrah was beautiful. Oh, yeah. the whole. I mean, we were in this really 12, 13, 14, 15. These are warm years. They made some great wines. So was 13 the first year that you had? Yes. That was the first year that you had your first vintage? The very first year. Yeah, wow. so, so 13 was the first leaf. And third. then And Mike said, it was a third, I'm sorry, third leaf. And Mike says, got to go in a barrel for two more years. I go, got to go in the barrel for two more years? I mean, I got to wait two more years. <laughs> yeah. So we when, do a 34-month. Oh, got it. Okay, cool. When it came out of the barrel, it was in shiners. We were bootleggers. Like, we were selling our wine to all our friends. Right, right? sure. labels or anything else. And the property next door went into foreclosure, and I said, I, I mean, this wine is so good, we might as well plant the rest of the stuff, you know, now that you know what you're doing. So right. He bought the 10 acres next door, turned that place into a vacation rental, because Richie said to do that, and he was right, by the way. I listened to <laughs> him. Some good advice, huh? Because it had a pool. Yeah. Nobody wants to come up here without a pool in the summertime. I know. Pool, right? So... She planted everything else now. That would grow in that region properly, which is Syrah, Malbec, Alicante Boucher, Cabernet, and Merlot. And who are you getting? Oh, and Petit Verdot. Who are you tapping for? Hey, I mean, because you've never been a vineyard manager before. So how are you kind of getting that? Octavio Garcia, Martinez Farming. Uh Uh-huh. So we found, how did we find Octavio? He planted the very first Syrah. He just... He had just come over the border, and he was like him and his wife were like the people who plant everything. Yeah. I call him my American dream, by the way. Yeah. Because he's now worth about $5 million. That's such a cool story. <laughs> you know what he is, right? That's so cool. He's a hardworking, yes. hardworking guy. Yeah. 
Well, it's so funny. I figure, like, when my dad came from Mexico City, his mom brought them over here. You know, he was, like, maybe four or five into Hollywood. Everyone, still now, you look at our situation now. People are just coming to just, they, they know what America can provide when you mm. you have that dream. You can live it out. Exactly. If you have the determination to work your ass off and, and earn it, America can, can bestow some pretty, you know, incredible blessings onto you. It's still there. The American dream still exists. Oh, yeah. If you, if you pursue it, it'll, it'll do it. Yeah. In Laura's success, in Gary's too, is that if you, if you know them both personally, they just don't do anything halfway, you know. And so Laura's a great cook as well. So right, it's just it's like I think she go, gets in. I I refer to why she makes such good wine. She just if she she's about tasting and making it better and flavoring what what she loves, right? Like a cook would and and. Uh, I mean, she's, yeah, she's about everything the Kramers do. Well, thank you, Richie. Is, is first class. And he appreciates that because he's got, he's got that Italian blood. He knows, right. he loves his food. Yeah, he I've watched through the years and just watched them and, and really uh, admired, you know, all the, uh, like this. This place we're sitting in I mean, right this here, is right? Like, there's nothing like it in Paso Robles. No, there's nothing like it in Paso Robles. And this is kind of one thing that I've been talking to, to a few different people in a few different types of industries. But when you see people who do things big market, you know, we're not in a big commercial market. We're not in L.A. We're not in San Francisco. You can take this place, pick it up, and move it into Hollywood. Move it into, like, the coolest part of San Francisco, and it would kill because it is done so well. It is done, like, in a big market way. Like, when you come here, you are getting something really, really special. Yeah. Well, did you ever go to the whiskey when you lived in Hollywood? Yeah. So, do you remember the Troubadour? Uh-huh, for sure. So if you look around, you get a little whiskey, little troubadour effect. Yeah. You. So that's sort of how I call it. I love it. It's a little bit of influence. Has that yeah. feel. That's so cool. I love that. It, it smells better here, though. Yeah, for sure, right? Yeah, and your feet, your shoes don't <laughs> stick to the ground when you lift them up as you're walking like out of the room and stuff. Uh, but no, no doubt, something you know really special. And when you think about Paso of late, and maybe you can kind of think of it like we, the Cork Dork Show started about 2010. Uh, we've been doing this podcast for a couple years now. But you look at like 2013 and some of these like early 2010s when Paso was just on this like ridiculous fast blazing trail of popularity and and synergy and bringing people here I mean you're seeing this area being known for way more than just bellying up to a tasting room bar Mm. but I mean Richie you've been on the advocating end and the 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 hard-working end of, of the event business here you've seen it yeah. Well, the industry that we cater most to, obviously, is when we refer to events is, is weddings, right? So it's become an epicenter, and, and not only Terramia and now Bellaterra, but there's so many gorgeous places. It's because Paso is magical, right? So you add a little hospitality into that magic of what we've already got here and you know and just and do like the kramers have done here and and like we did with teramia we we put our heart and soul into that as well but and you had the hospitality ingredient and what we've got here as a national you know as a destination now it's it just it works and it draws now i know you guys are sold out often especially through the weekends of like the you know the big season but um in the beginning, when you were still trying to get the word out, what were those conversations like? Like, what were some of the selling points of Terramia besides? Because, look, if you're talking to somebody, you're handing a business card over, maybe you got the website, but, you know, they're not there. You really feel Terramia when you're there. But what were some of those initial selling points? Yeah, you know, I just think we, we, we um, got very fortunate at timing. You know, the old saying, timing's everything, right? And then we had something to back it up to when people did, you know, um, discover it but it was just 
the timing was that Paso was moving and grooving, and Central Coast was the place to get married for a lot of kids. They wanted that barn, or they wanted that vineyard wedding, and uh, we had a good web presence, and it it drew them in. And uh, we did we did very little advertising. If, if if you ask me exactly how we did it, I couldn't tell you, but it morphed. And then as soon as we got people to actually physically come look at the site, it just worked. And then. Thank well, God you for can't, social You can't media. forget Lake Superior, by the way, that you put in. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Steve Wynn, I, I, was, I was there with Richie when he was with all the backhoes and bulldozers, and he go, no, make it a little bigger, make it a little bigger over here, make it a little bigger. What are you building, the Bellagio? Yeah, right. <laughs> it looks like that when you're out there. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, it is beautiful. You got that big rock feature and the waterfall and the whole thing. Yeah, no, it is. It's it's a one of a kind and a very picturesque place. And it's interesting because you know one thing I think it's like that part of that Quan or that um, that unspoken or intangible is in any industry. It's not what you know; it's who you know. And you're very involved in the community. You seem to know everybody, and it really makes it of added value for people that want to book at Terramia because it's like your list I mean these people just aren't on your you know your Rolodex but these are friends of yours your phone whether it's a caterer or whether it's a yes. photographer or whether it's a musician or whatever you know we've put together in a really extensive a 12 page list of of pa- Central Coast Paso Slow County's greatest you know florists greatest caterers greatest places to stay cake bakers and uh, and these people coming in from you know uh, out of the, the Bay area, area yeah. or LA they all depend on that list and and it 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 just it really works out well and those people do a great job and they make us shine as well and it it is a community thing we're all, we're all helping each other in the biz- and watching each everybody flourish is is and a he good does. feeling Richie will send people over and they'll stay at the vacation rental that are getting married the next day at Richie's yeah. I love that yeah. that is so cool and it- great to recommend local restaurants and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually just going to get into that. What are some of your faves right now? Kind of go around. What are some of your faves? Have you been in Bloom yet? I have not been there yet. You know, I know the, I have met the folks and been in an event, a couple of, of parties with them, and we just, I don't know this year what happened, but we just haven't been able to get there yet, but I'm really looking forward we to should getting go there. there. Yeah, we should go. And I what, what really are some other places that you're, that, you know, you're still um, big well, fans you know, of? We were, we were talking just before you came about Hemingway's. Hemingways. I think yeah. they did a really good job in there of creating a, a steakhouse environment and the food delivers um and you know most restaurants stumble a little bit in the beginning right they got some learning but i was uh pleasantly surprised with hemingways so that brings a different element to us we yeah. like that uh, of course there's always the staples you know la cosacea and the hatch and and uh il cortile and we've got um but i think uh buena tavola Sure. Is is my favorite. Of course, yeah, I'm Italian. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Mine, too. Yeah. Is that your favorite, too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, Andreas is now the owner of the building next door to me. Oh, good for him. He's a hardworking young he, man. Some, yeah, that's the owner. He, he bought that in. No, Antonio's the owner. Andreas is the general. Their general. He, he's, just, oh, he's just general. But he bought the indoor soccer match building with oh. his brother. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Laura, what are some of your favorite places to eat out and get into? Uh... Up at the house? No. (laughs) We all love to cook. Yeah, that's true. You do love to cook. No, and it's fun. It's fun to go to others. You know, everyone pitches in and cooks together. I'm, right now, my favorite right now is uh, BL Brasserie. Yeah. Mm. 
I'm kind of on that one right cool. now. Cool. I'm on that kick yeah. right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a classic one, too. Old Bistro Laurent days. I mean, Bistro Laurent was here when I moved here in 03. Now they call it BL Brasserie. Uh, what about you? Some other places that you're really into? You know what? Uh, recently, I'm just I'm Hemingway, like we were just there again Saturday. I thought it was, like, way overpriced in the beginning, but I'm sort of getting used I to it. I thought that, too. Jeremy and I went there one time during the fair, yeah. and we went we went to town. <laughs> <laughs> and then we walked out there. We're like, holy! We did like yeah. you know remortgage the you know, after yeah. yeah I, brought my, I brought my grand deed with me. Last yeah, time, I know, really. Uh, but I mean, like, that twice baked. I mean, that that uh, first of all, first seafood year, tower, dude. That's what we did. I was yeah, just gonna seafood say tower, yeah. seafood tower. That will add a couple zeros to your yes. bill. But man, I mean, it, get the tomahawk. We killed it. Did you know what you did? Yes. Yeah. I think we did the aged wagyu or like the ribeye yeah. or something. It, it, it we, you know, it, it delivered. And you're right. It was a cool steakhouse feel. Yeah. I've had. Kunal Mittal from LXV. He said uh, he was feeling it. So there's yeah, people yeah. are feeling it. It's they cool. had dinner right next to us just the other night. Yeah. yeah. Oh really? Oh yeah. He, I yeah. think he's there a lot. The way he are in there. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Monday nights is is locals discount night. Oh really? It's like forty nine dollars. You get a, a steak really nice and sides and everything. Yeah, remember that. That's important. <laughs> That's really Monday important. Nights more only. places should do that here yes. because yeah. it's probably a down night for a lot of. Well, a lot of places won't even be open. Locals. You know, or some right. places will take. It's the industry so interesting up here because you have to be open on the weekends, but then some people may take say Wednesday off, and then you'll be up in here during the week, and you'll be like, oh, I want to go to Jeffrey's Barbecue, and then it's like Wednesday, you're like, you know, or yeah. like, uh, you know, like I live in below the grade in South County, so sometimes you want to go to Ember. And then you find out, oh, wrong day. Or Spoon Trade or just any one of these restaurants. But yeah, they, they always got those. <laughs> well, we tried just for lunch yesterday. I said, let's go try that new little Mexican place on next to Pine Street on Pine Street. Next oh. We tried it. It was good. Was it? I said, Laura, we're not going in there. Said, Come on, look at this. It was the black cat, right? It was the black cat. Yeah. It's a shame that. that it was it. good. No, it's actually good, Richard. You won't. Yeah. Where are we talking about? Like, give me the it's, streets. It's Pine uh, Street. Pine Street. Like, right oh, next door to Odyssey. World Cafe. Right, right, right. Next to Odyssey. Cafe and next Odyssey's, Odyssey's still there, too, huh? Yeah. Odyssey. Odyssey's been there forever. They've been here since I moved you know, here. And if you just busy. want a nice salad mm-hmm. in town, they have a great salad. Yeah. yeah, they do great food. I'm kind of curious, like, when, um, you know, things were happening with COVID and stuff, what we used that time for. So what you guys did is you guys really kind of beefed up this place during that time. Yeah, well, that's what we, that was our, you know, what we had an opportunity to buy this because these are all condominium units. So we had an opportunity to buy each one of them during the COVID. Wow. So, so we bought we, them all the way back. So we have the, all of the building. We were going to make the, the venue even bigger, another 2,000 square feet this way. 3,000. Wow. But then COVID hit and, oh, and then the fire Oh, the well, the sprinklers. Oh. They want but like a hundred grand. They for do that. have something pretty special going on in the building next door. What's that? Another event space? Kind of. Kind of like a private club. Stop I'll show you oh, before we wait leave. You, wait till you see that. Really? You should have probably looked at it before this. Because <laughs> it, it, it's also where I store all my barrels and case goods. Okay. Yeah, but when you walk through there and then through the secret door. You got a secret door, guys? Well, yes. obviously not anymore. We're on a podcast. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. Uh, Thank you. So um, we learned about Malbulls. We learned about uh, <laughs> secret venues, secret doors. You got to come see a... Um, I can't wait to see a, um, a show here. I'm just looking at that. Oh, they're so much fun. Looking at that brick wall and that spotlight. I mean, I can't... And this leather. Oh, it's just so beautiful here. It is really beautiful. The guitars on the wall. Uh, it's a really one-of-a-kind place. Like, like Richie said earlier, you will not find another place like this anywhere, but certainly not in Dasso. Yeah. It's special. And to see a, a show in here, the intimacy, 
you know, you only got 65, like Laura said, 65, so she keeps it really cool in there. And you don't have to sit on the grass. Sound system. Right, yeah. Okay, you got your own table. You're well, comfortable. You know, too many people haven't discovered this and haven't really gone on now that you said you're going to list all your upcoming shows on your website. I'm yeah. doing, trying to do six months in advance. Yeah. There you go. She's bringing in a lot of action. How many shows LA. are you doing? A week or a month? or uh, Once a month. Yeah, okay. Sometimes twice a month, but once a month. Yeah. So, so tell Adam who you're bringing in. So, uh, September 10th and 11th, one of my favorite Americans in the world is mm. Frankie Shenta. American, Italian. Italian American. Which Italian-American. is Richie's buddy from Buffalo. No they way, grew right? up with we him. We grew up together. No way. And him and his yeah. family had a headlining show in Vegas for over 20 years at the Rio Hotel. And the Hilton for another ten years. They're they're a phenomenal. And what's his shit? What does he do? Well, it's a, it was a variety show. So okay, they do all kinds of stuff. Sing, he'll, dance, he'll funny. Do impressions, sing, dance, funny, make you cry, make you laugh. He'll Play the mandolin. Plays just... the mandolin. He does George Burns impressions. I mean, he just brings it. He brings everything. He. I'm really excited about the shows he's going to do here on the 10th and 11th. He called me personally that day. He's excited about coming, and he said, "Get ready." He said, "You are. I'm going to bring that audience through every emotion, and it being September 11th, and being the that's why yeah. I, that's yeah. why I booked it and for them. And being the guy he is, it's going to be a special show. show he yeah. he brought our audience last year to tears. Yeah, I want to come for that 11th show. I'm gonna yeah, we'll get tickets. Sunday, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get tickets for her and I. That sounds. Yeah. If there, is there any lines that sold out yet? No, there's some. There's a. There's I want to check left. that one out. Yeah. I have a concert I have to host on the 10th, but I want to be here for the 11th. That Sunday. Yeah. That's right around my mom's anniversary, too, which I think is, is I always try and do something special for that. You will love it. Yeah. Oh, the, the, hey, Richie yeah. knows me. Yeah. Yeah, you will. Oh, love that's it. so cool. I can't <laughs> wait for that. So where do you want people to go if they want to get tickets to that one? Our website, www.garykramerguitarsellers.com. Well, but if he's interested, you might as well just hold two for him now so you can hold two back. No, he's talking he, about the audience we're talking to. Where will people go? Yeah. Oh. Sorry. No, but Gary's looking out for his boy. Go, go yeah. To, yeah, yeah. Hold, hold two for me. Take sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like looking out for you. I, Thank you, my man. I appreciate you know, that. It sells out so yeah. quick. I know. That's what I'm saying. So I appreciate that. Just the that. audience. Just call up and we'll just hand them out Let's for you for free. Sure Adam, <laughs> Let's just make sure Adam gets his tickets before before the podcast. But I want him to Right, yeah, 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 right, yeah. <laughs> I want you to have a seat, Adam. So I appreciate you very much. Oh, no, I love that. So um, what is the website that people go to for tickets for this show and any any show? GaryKramerGuitarSellers.com. Gary Kramer, with a K, KramerGuitarSellers.com. And uh, you can get your tickets there. Now, if somebody is listening to this and they start Googling Terramia and see these beautiful pictures and see all this stuff or Bellaterra, you have to know. You, you gotta, it's probably, you're probably booked out with their weekends. Well, like we God. just opened Bellaterra. Terra. Okay. So we just got a presence, so there's availability as of now, right? But uh, yeah, Terramia is pretty much That's a popular 23 place. is gone. Is We're it? taking 24 wedding rooms. Now what if, because I just got engaged, what if I wanted to do something like, like a Thursday? Well. You, you don't know. even do weekdays. We can't do week. Oh, got it because of yeah. because of so we have, stuff. Yeah, got so it. We're, we're, we have a conditional use permit. So oh, okay, we're, you know, um, so many events and on certain days. So, like but uh, we'll figure something <laughs> out. You want to, maybe we should cancel somebody to get well, you. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the that's why that's why he acquired another property. Well, yeah. So when you. he's so booked, yeah. well, he then sends you over to this property. I, I think we have to figure out a way to have you get married at Terramia somehow. Absolutely, somehow, yeah. No, you have to, you have <laughs> yeah. to get married at Terramia. It's so funny because I mean, she oh, has... could you get us two seats? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She told. Um, she she tells the story where you know we were there when we first started dating, and because I'm you know I've been close with Richie for a while, like I remember telling you stories about yeah. you know getting into this new relationship and trying to navigate through you know certain things in a new relationship, and there's just something very special about those grounds there. And I just looked at that mm-hmm. bridge and said, Oh my god, I, I feel like I'm going to marry you on that bridge. You know, we're going to figure out how to get Adam married on that. Yeah, Tracy and Richie have done such a beautiful job. Oh, they are. Yeah, Tracy's awesome. TerramiaVineyard.com? TerramiaVineyard.com for Terramia. Yeah. Singular and, Vineyard, TerramiaVineyard.com? Yeah, or us. We got them both. Okay, good. Of course so, you do. Yeah. Sweet. And then um, all the work you do, like, you know, philanthropic and cancer support. We love the communities. You do. You know, the you biggest do. thing for us when we got here was on a mission to give back. Right, yeah. because we felt so blessed, Adam, to end up here, and uh, out of the craziness, and and the wedding venue wasn't even a reality at the time. But we just wanted to come, get into a community where we can make a difference. It's tough to make a difference in Orange County, right? I mean, you can, but right, or, or no Las one really Vegas. notices. And- no, no, you know. But here, here, I really felt we could see the fruits of what we did, and and uh, and it's it's been awesome. Yeah. It's been a great, it's 10 years this weekend. Is that right? That we permanently moved here. Yeah. What a perfect yeah. time for this yeah. podcast to publish yeah. right at your 10th anniversary. <laughs> so I've been here longer than you? You have. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. We had a part-time uh, uh, presence prior to that for four or five years. Okay, that's right. Yeah. You had a part-time. And how long have you been here, Gary? Well, you know, I had I've been in Los Angeles July my whole 2009. Life, All right. And I had never been past uh, Pismo Beach ever. No way. So when we came up here that one weekend, I started seeing oak trees for the first time. I go, hey, Laura, what kind of tree is that? All I've seen is palm trees my whole life. Right? Yeah. It's an oak tree. And they get to be more and more oak trees. Then we got into Paso. And we stayed at the Cheval. Hotel Cheval. Of course. Two, nice. This is 2009. Did it right. Which was Because that was brand new then. Yeah, it was, well, it was $400 back then. Yeah, right. Imagine what it is right now. Yeah. But it was a great place. I right. loved it. Walked around the corner into the park. I go, geez, this is like Back to the Future. Remember the movie Back to the Future, right? The little clock tower, the whole thing. And look, a real Thai restaurant. And a Thai yeah. restaurant. We ate at Thai basil. And I said, well, I could live here if it's a good Thai. <laughs> exactly. So she pitches me because she's from a, a small town originally. I'm from Oklahoma. I never was from a small town. Farmer. And we meet uh, this. Of course. We meet a real estate uh, agent, Bob, Bob Graham. Graham. Bob Graham. His house was on the cover of Home Magazine. It was a Victorian house, and she loved Victorian houses. So we call him up. He goes, Yeah, it's my house. So he takes us over to Spanish Camp. That's where his house was. And I said, You know what, Bob? I'm coming out of L.A., and this kind of looks like Brentwood or Beverly Hills to me. I said to him, I says, I want to look. I never want to look out my kitchen window ever again and see another man washes dishes. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know you've made it. And no, and then he says, "Okay, I know exactly where to take you." So he takes us up Hog Canyon to that place right there. And yeah. I said, "Oh, it's a faux Victorian. Works for me." And it's I beautiful. Look, I oh look, my god! Yeah, I look out the window and he goes, "There'll never be another guy washing his dishes wherever you are, looking out your kitchen window." I go, "This is my place." Yeah, Jerry, right, you so. don't wash dishes. So what do you mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> where, another guy. Right, yeah. He just means a guy. <laughs> no, no, no. That anybody. implies you wash dishes, Gary. No, seriously, where we were at in, in West Los Angeles, in our bathroom, we looked down, and there's that guy was the slave for that woman. He had his gloves on, and they're washing the dishes, and we could see him, and it's like, Ugh. Oh, my gosh, I know. Well, you know, anywhere in Southern California, their houses are like right yeah. next to each other, right? I know. I'm so done with that. So done with that. Right? Yeah. 
And when we got up here, then I went into culture shock because first night, coyotes were on the rampage. They were, you know, they're celebratory. So when they kill, they... I go, Laura, what's going on? He goes... She knows all about it. Well, she's from Oklahoma. Yeah. She's like, it's a coyote, got a toddler. It's so all then, big deal. So then the coyotes <laughs> quit doing their thing, and all of a sudden there's an owl going, ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. Never heard an owl in my life, right? I know. So it took me about a year, really, to kind of fall into the whole thing. And I still have a business in Los Angeles. So I got to go down there still once a month. And I go, oh, my God, I'm so glad I moved up here. What a beautiful, what is paradise? We found paradise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We certainly did. And like I said. And we thought Laguna, Beach was, par- Laguna yeah. Beach was paradise at one time. Oh, well, it well, really I, was. And then it got so crowded. Yeah. It was like, yeah. yeah. Obviously, if you go to Gary Kramer, guitarsellers.com, you could check out what's happening as far as the shows. Can we get links to your house? Because you got a big rental, too. It's there. It's on the website. How many rooms is yours? Do you beat Richie's? It sleeps 14. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Seven, seven bedrooms, 7,000 seven square bedroom. feet. Seven bedrooms. Yeah. And then the back, there's another one called The Coop. It's, it's new. It's out by the chicken coop. Yeah. A nice chicken coop. Because both as Richie, Gary, it's... Mr. OCDs. Right. Oh, yeah. So everything's nice. Both guys, you have to understand, Richie and Gary are probably the two most, and I'm, I'm metrosexual too, but they these they always smell good, they always look clean, they always like, they, they, all, they have nice watches, they have how nice I, if dress When I first good. heard that metrosexual comment, I, I wasn't sure I liked it, I didn't understand it so much. Well, no, it's, a, it's really about a guy, and it came out probably more than a decade ago, but it's it's a man who, you know, cares about his hygiene, he's, he's always got the immaculate The pastor at my church first called me a metrosexual. Sexual. I looked at him and said, hey, buddy. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. Yeah. Especially from the church. We almost, like, went, to, we almost went to fist. I didn't right. know what he said. <laughs> You come home, Tracy, I punched the bastard. <laughs> he called me a metrosexual. But I, I'm going I'm to chime in here. Adam, thanks for having me here. Too. I'm really humbled to be in, on the same podcast with the Kramers, right? I don't, you know, they are really everything they do is bigger, better, and greater. Oh, don't be um, still. Oh, and, come on. No, come and it's, on, it's great. We, so I'm, I'm stoked to be here, but the Kramers are, are champions in this community. Well, I remember telling Gary, because I was on the phone with you, that Richie was going to be here, and he was so excited that well, you were going to be here, too. Yeah. It's, just and fun I'm really, to be, it's fun to be with you, fun to just chit yeah. chat. And, and uh, we love the community, so it's talk, great to talk about Paso Robles. Yes, sir. It is. It really is. So if you're a wedding coming up here, or maybe you just want to do it big for like, you know, someone's turning 30, 40, 50, 60. You want to get a few couples up here. Right. You got to check out either one. Check out the manor. Check out the mansion. And, and just come up here. All hang out. I remember I did check my birthday. Check out this tasting room. Oh, my God. This tasting room. <laughs> I did my birthday at your place. And, uh, well, I did my birthday party at Richie's place. But I just had a few friends over at, at the uh, at the mansion uh, years and years ago. And it was just a, couple, a few couples and making breakfast. And you're all... And you're so so separate from everybody. Like when you go to bed, you feel like you're your own. You're in your own hotel. Like you're, you're not bothered by anybody. But then you all congregate. You can oh, they're having coffee out in the backyard, or we're having coffee in here. You got your own little spaces. Yet well, you remember what I said. You what? never want to look out your window ever again and right. see another man washes dishes. Yeah, you certainly and, not and, there. Yeah, not there. You'll never see. That'll never happen. Oh, so good. Well, you got to check out these websites, and um, whether it's a music venue show here that you're seeing, or yeah, you come in here, you don't know if it's light or dark outside. It's I know. That's cool. what I. I love about this the area. The ambiance is great. It's truly they like dialed a it in L.A. So or a Vegas showroom. Yeah. And, and when you pack up your little uh, soundboard here and yeah. we put our headphones away, I'll take you next door to the private club. 
but you can't tell anybody. All right. That's okay. Oh, no. We won't tell anyone on this podcast. Yeah, right here. Secrets all here. Stay here. <laughs> Cheers. Okay. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate your time and sharing where wine takes you. Give me that moonshine, boogie bow. We pass on round till the job is done. Camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. Thanks so much to Laura Kramer. She is always such a pleasure to talk to, and hearing how good of a cook she is, I gotta figure out how to get an invite up there, huh? Also, gotta thank Gary and Richie for all of their time here. Their website info in the show notes right now. You could check them out. I'll even put the Malbol recipe in there if you're so daring to try it. All right, Harvest 2022. Can we get some breaking news music, please? We do have breaking news from the Harvest 2022 desk. I'm Adam Montiel. With more than 10 days of well over 100 degree temperatures and a heat advisory warning from the National Weather Service, crucial decisions are being made now. One of the respected winemakers responsible for making these decisions for his brand, Sherman Thatcher of Thatcher Wines. Sherman, thanks for joining us. Hey, how's it going, man? What's up, man? How are you? Happy harvest to you. Yeah, it is on. Holy smokes. Now, I have a question about the heat and how it's going to affect folks in Paso. And obviously, I know you can only speak, you know, mainly for what you got going on there. But just for kind of an idea. So we're about to get... You know, maybe nine, ten days of super extreme heat. You may have workers that are planning for this day, picks planned for that day. Is it, what's kind of your situation? I was talking to someone yesterday, it's like, well, I could pick something maybe a little bit underripe. My next time to get workers is until next this, and then it might be too late. I mean, what are some of the things that you're dealing with right now? That's exactly right. I called my... uh labor contractor yesterday and said, I, whatever crew you can get me next week, sign me up. I don't know what I'm picking, but, um, we'll find stuff to pick. (laughs) We're putting water on, on blocks that we, you know, are close to, um, being ready, but we just got to keep the plants happy. So it's a kind of a little bit of a panic mode. We're, we're picking today. We'll, we're picking the rest of our cab today, which is crazy early for Cabernet. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, a little bit of a scramble, and we'll see how the plants react. Is it just you'd rather pick, even if it's slightly under where you would rather it, rather than it just get fried and then it's it's toast? Uh, for us, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. We you know we try not to do any amendments in the winery. So um, once the acid is gone and and the sugar's too high, um, it's really difficult to get it back down to where it needs to be by blending it with other wines. It, we don't do any water ads or acid ads. So um, that's pretty much the scenario. So um, right now we're, I pulled a bunch of extra samples this morning. I've got a crew out there. And when they wrap up picking what I had them scheduled to pick today, I will probably put them on another block and start pulling some other stuff. Now, I remember like in 2017 or one of those vintages where we had a heat spike like this and a lot of folks... You know, you, you get into that panic mode. Sometimes you got to pick. Some folks realized if they just waited it out, maybe it wasn't as long as a heat spike and those bricks come down again. Do you think that we'll have a chance for that reprieve or is this just too long of a heat spike? I think, you know, it really depends on the varietal and how much fruit the plant is carrying. Um, you know, if the plant's carrying a lot more fruit, it has a little bit more of a ballast that it can kind of work with. But, um, you know, there's not a lot of fruit on the plant. It's just going to um, shrivel up and 
And we got hammered by that heat um, in our Cabernet block um, back then. Everything just turned to raisins, and it was it was toasted. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it, it's really early in the season for this kind of heat spike, too. Um, so, it, it's uh, <laughs> every year is a learning curve. So <laughs> I know, right? We'll, we'll see. Um, I've got Grenache that's... Uh, you know, looking pretty plump, but still fairly underripe. So um, I think, you know, plants like that that are vigorous should be able to handle it, especially if they get a little nudge with some water. But is, uh, if is, you're dry farming, you know, it might be better to just pull stuff because um, the plants don't have as much to work with. Is there any silver lining for any varietal, any scenario when a situation, a curveball like this happens? Can there be one? Not not that I can really think of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it pushes everything forward a little bit faster than it needs to go. I mean, the longer the hang time we can get, the better, generally, just for flavor profiles. And um, this just nudging everything so much further forward um, is not helpful. Well, good luck, man. Um, we're far overdue catching up. We'll catch up right when you're done with all this. But always, um, where was I recently? Oh, is it the FPAC? Event they had your uh, Cinso there, man. I love that one. Your wine's oh. so awesome, dude. Just good luck with everything over the next few weeks. Happy harvest, man, and best of luck with it all, dude. Appreciate it. We'll catch up soon. Talk soon, Sherman. See you, brother. All right, cheers. Okay, there you go. A real time and candid update, Sherman Thatcher. Thatcher Wines. Thank you, my man. You are the real deal. We're gonna keep you updated. And if you are coming to Paso, make sure you check out PasoWine.com. There is a lot going on. The sights and smells and mood is very festive. And if you have not been here during harvest yet, you have to make a plan. You have to do it. We'll also talk more about Harvest Wine Month. Harvest Wine Month in October is coming up in Paso Wine Country. Get the latest now at PasoWine.com. Gosh, what a fun show. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. Also want to thank Jamie Guzman from Paso Wine for helping us with fulfillment of late. For the latest on Paso Wine, like I said, you got to hit up PasoWine.com. Follow them on Insta at Paso Wine. Where Wine Takes You is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. You can follow me on Insta at Adam on the Air. Original music on Where Wine Takes You. The song Good Company, performed by our friends Moonshiner Collective, Follow them and stream them wherever you get your music, and you can learn more, moonshinercollective.com. Equipment transport and technical consideration provided by Fly With Wine. And next time you are cruising the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio, my morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, heard on Wine Country Radio, The Crush 92.5. It's also where you hear the cork dorks and more. You can stream it, Crush with a K, crush925.com. We also have a free app in your smartphone. I can't thank you enough for joining us once again for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the podcast. It means so much more than you know. So thank you in advance. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Until next time, flip that glass up. Let's cheers the men and women of Harvest working hard so that you and I can enjoy and share where wine takes you. And give me that sound, we'll get by, we'll
it's all down till the job is done. Get out in the trees, it will simplify. Good comp, give me that moon sound. Get bowing fast, all down till the job is done. Get out in the trees, it will simplify. Good comp, give me that moon sound. Get bowing fast, all down till the job is done. Get out in the trees, it will simplify. Good company, give me that moon sound. Get bowing fast, all down till the job is done. Camped out in the trees, who will simplify and good company.